You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block Ripping up fantasy stock Working around the clock Look at the view from the top Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods, yeah One in particular, I'm just a messenger Let me just pass on the rock uh. Browning, brunning, bruning Pronouncing ain't what he's doing What he's doing is not losing But infusing you with new things And there's Dennis the Bennett Yeah the man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, cultured in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round table come take a look at the crown baby go what's going on everybody welcome to another episode of the fantasy football roundtable podcast proud to be partnered with the pigskin podcast network you can find them at pigskin podnet on twitter or you can search the hashtag tppn it is not actually friday but that is when this wonderful episode will be dropping it for you guys. So just in case some major news happens, no, everybody listening that this was recorded a couple days ahead of time due to some stuff that we had going on. Uh, but Matt and Dennis are here with me. We are continuing our team preview series. We're going to be wrapping up the NFC North today as we go over the Detroit Lions and the Chicago Bears. Gentlemen, how are you guys doing today? It's hot. Um, I guess the only thing, it, it, I'll pretend it's Friday and it'll be less humid um, on Friday, but just a little bit hotter. Uh, it's like, I think I need the humidity so high, I need to sprout gills to be able to breathe effectively up here in Ohio. It rained like hell this weekend for about 36 hours and it's just hanging in the air. On another note, my wife passed her yellow belt for her operational excellence Six Sigma thing or something or other. She started at work, and so congratulations to Jackie for that. Absolutely, graduate. When you said yellow belt, I was like, "Oh wow! Like, what? What is she learning? Is it Taekwondo? Is she gone some UFC route?" Like, I was very excited to hear what a uh, like business operations excellence. Side. So, 
Well, you still don't want to get on her. Oh, yeah, for sure. I know. Trust I know. Me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I believe you on that. I was just like, man, like she could really just like judo chop to the throat and I'm, I'm done for. So. Well, it's hot here, too. We've been like 95, 96, which I know it doesn't sound hot to other people. But when you're at elevation, they say it adds about 20 percent. And it's been a little muggy here, but by the time this airs, I will have migrated uh, further to the west to Las Vegas, where it's supposed to be a crisp one fifteen. Yeah, I mean, I know people just absolutely love it when podcasters talk about the weather, but it is unreasonably hot and is getting very, very frustrating. I'm ready for fall to be here, not just because of football, but nicer weather to be. Um, as this podcast will like, well, we'll drop a little bit before that, but I'll be. I have to go to like this big. I'm assuming you guys have heard of Top Golf. I get to go do something like that Friday night when it's going to be like 110 degrees outside because it's my wife's birthday and whatever my wife wants, she gets. And so I just have to deal with it while I, I likely. So if you guys don't see me on Monday, it's likely because I, I probably wait. You you only have to give your st- wife what she wants on her birthday. Oh no! That it's all year long. I made. Yeah. Oh, okay. I it, it's it's uh it's more of I. I have to be there Friday, but I would much rather be sitting inside relaxing because I'm off uh, the rest of the week. I'd much rather be inside than trying to hit. I like I, I consider myself somewhat of an athlete. Like I've I've played baseball, football, soccer all growing up. But one thing I am not good at doing is, despite my baseball background, is hitting a golf ball. And I'm also very competitive. And even though this is going to be quote unquote fun with quote unquote friends i want to win i want to drive the ball the farthest i want to look the best doing it and that stuff gets under my skin it's why i'm not playing in the flag football tournament at the expo even though a couple people have asked me if i want to come play on their teams like i don't think you guys understand like i won't be friendly if we do this and if we start losing i'm 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 an asshole i'm a very competitive person it's not pretty so i know my limitations I consider myself an athlete too. I'm like, you know, hot dog eating contest, banana splitting hey, contest. Man. Joey Chestnut makes contest. some serious money. So I, you know, hey, if you can make it work for you. Speaking of serious money, oh man, we're going to the Bears first. I was that's not horrible transition because I don't know that anybody on the Bears makes any serious money. I really thought the Lions were first. And I was gonna They've saved serious money. They have saved serious money by not getting a wide receiver. Thanks, Matt. Or offensive line or... Yeah, anything besides Justin Fields. The Bears finished 6-11 and last year, third in the NFC North. Key departures. Allen Robinson goes to the Rams. Khalil Mack to the Chargers. Tariq Cohen, unfortunately a free agent after his horrific knee injury. Andy Dalton goes to the Saints. Nick Foles to the Colts. Hakeem Hicks to the Buccaneers. And Damian Williams to the Falcons. Their key additions, they bring over a new head coach and Matt Eberflus coming from the Packers system. He also brings with him Equinemius St. Brown, the wide receiver. Byron Pringle comes from the Chiefs. Nikhil Harry just recently traded from the New England Patriots. Darrington Evans from the Tennessee Titans. Trevor Simeon from I don't remember where he was last. And with the Saints. Saints. And Dante Pettis, was he still with the 49ers before he yeah. came here? I feel like Eberflus was the defensive coordinator for the Colts. It's Getsy, oh, their offensive coordinator. From the That's right. and, uh, Starting out to be a great episode. <laughs> the Bears created Lions. a forgettable combination. They replaced Matt Nagy yeah. and Ryan Pace with Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles. So apparently they have a type. Yeah. Key rookies 
Vellis Jones Jr. and Treston Ebner. Matt, we just mentioned the the amount of money they saved by not getting Justin Fields any help. He really does not have much to work with here. What do we think we see out of him in year two, and how do you feel about probably his best receiving options in Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet? Yeah, I'd like to see Komet take a little bit of a step up. I think we've been waiting for that. I don't know how great the pass offense is going to be here. I think we all like Justin Fields coming out, and I I have hope that he's going to step up in a, in a little bit. He finished his QB 31 last year. I think he gets up closer, but I'm not even – convinced necessarily that this offense will allow him to get up into QB2 range because there's a lot of offenses that are looking better. It almost feels like Chicago put everything on pause in 2022 and are looking forward to 2023 when they're going to have an insane amount of draft um, capital and cap space to rebuild, which is not a terrible idea for a GM trying to remake a roster, but isn't great for the development of your young quarterback. We'll have to see what Luke Getze can do with him. You know, he's changing coaching staffs too, which we've remarked in the past is never a great thing for a young quarterback to have to learn new system and get new coaches year after year. We saw that kind of stunt Baker at times. We've seen that stunt some other quarterbacks as they're trying to, to get on track, but they spent a lot to go get Justin Fields last year. Hopefully they want to invest in him. I like Darnell Mooney, his ADP wide receiver 28. I think is a touch low. I think he was a low end wide receiver too last year. I think he can still be that again, even though he doesn't have a bigger name opposite him. I mean, Allen Robinson wasn't doing a lot last year. Darnell Mooney was kind of their pass offense, but I don't really want any of the rest of these bears. They brought in a, collection of interesting pieces i know some people think bellis jones will will pop i need to see it first this is the rare circumstance where Nikhil harry joining your group might actually have made your receiving core better which is not a good sign and is not a uh, ringing endorsement of Nikhil harry it was a collection of odd signings you know byron pringle was an occasional contributor to Kansas City. Equinemius St. Brown was an occasional contributor in Green Bay. Dante Pettis is somebody whose name I've heard before that was in San Francisco. They went out and got Darrington Evans, who's a pass catcher who we never even saw last year with Tennessee and never really caught much. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they want their offensive identity to be. The only thing they really succeeded in doing is establishing that Justin Fields is their guy because Trevor Simeon is good as a career backup. They moved on from Nick Foles. They moved on from Andy Dalton. I just wish they had gotten him a better line and some better weapons to work with. You know, they have, what, Larry Borum and Tevin Jenkins, who are both second-year players at offensive tackle who need to take a big leap to um, maybe push this offensive line along. Warren Sharp just released his uh, offensive line rankings, and he ranks the Bears at a crisp 32, um, in part because, you know, they're anchored on the outside by two young guys. Uh, Jenkins has a history of back issues that uh, carried into his rookie season. It's going to be a challenge all around for the passing game uh, if Justin Fields can't stay upright. Uh, I think Vellis Jones provides a Will Fuller-esque lid lifter, which could really complement 
Darnell Mooney. The rest of them, though, Byron Pringle and Nikhil Harry and Equinemius St. Brown, it's like I don't know what their role is going to be. Who is going to be able to fill a role? Um, you know, while Fields is fast and he's big, he isn't really – he doesn't like to run. He keeps his eyes downfield and he tries to pass first. That could be good. That could lead to a lot of sacks. Last year, I think some of the feedback that we saw about Fields' play last year was that he tended to um, think too much, hold the ball too long, which led to sacks. And again, uh, behind this offensive line, that could lead to a lot of problems for this offense this year. I agree. I'm not sure Fields is going to be able to make it up in past QB 24. Will he rise a couple spots? Yeah, just because I think he plays every game and he's going to make some plays with his feet. Uh, he'll make some plays with his arm because he does have a big arm. He can throw the ball deep. I wouldn't be surprised as, uh, surprised if him and Bellis Jones do connect a couple times on some deep balls. I think Mooney's going to get force-fed the, the football um, as defenses stack the box because they know that – if they get pressure on field, it's going to create issues. So there's a lot of challenges for Luke Getze and Matt Eberflus to work out with this offense. Yeah, there's uh, it's the offensive line. I do think is going to be a major issue. I don't know that it's much worse than it was last year though. And so the one thing that gives me some promise, although obviously a different offense, a different offense probably coming in here with Getsy, obviously a different head coach. Justin Fields had four QB one finishes last year and three QB twos, which is actually the second best out of all the rookies behind Mac Jones of all players. We talked about how great Davis Mills was, uh, but Mac Jones had the most. He had five, I believe. Let me pull that back up. Uh, yeah, he had five QB1 finishes and three QB2. So Justin Fields was, for the most part, effective in fantasy. Most of that was in the back half of the season when he was actually starting to run more. I do think he'll use his legs a little bit more if he needs to. Obviously, the big question is going to come down to, as I just we mentioned earlier with Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, they're really the only options that he has there. While I agree with Dennis that, that Vellis Jones could be a lid lifter for them, and he is on the older side, so he's probably he's got a little bit more experience than most rookies coming in nowadays. He's still going to have to get used to the NFL game quickly. I don't know that he is a wide receiver. I would bet on really helping out Justin Fields much to start the season. As the season goes on, maybe he takes that step forward. I really would love to see Justin Fields take a step forward in his second season because there's obviously a lot of rumors that Chicago may not be 100% sold on him, new head coach, all this other crap that maybe they end up moving on from after three years. And I do think Justin Fields is an incredibly good quarterback. I really hope that he's able to take a step forward. There's a lot betting against him right now. I still think he's got a chance to finish as right around a QB 15 season because of his legs. We did see... He was willing to run a little bit more. Maybe if Getsy allows that, and it is kind of hard to allow your quarterback to do that because you don't want them to get popped. Uh, you know, Lamar does it, but Lamar never really takes those big hits. We've seen Kyler Murray take a couple of big hits. He's got knocked out injuries that kind of derailed his seasons that time. Justin Fields, off the top of my head, I don't remember taking. I remember taking one big hit last year where he got knocked out of the game. I'm almost positive he came back in. 
outside of that, I don't remember him taking a lot of big hits, but that's going to be the big thing if you let your quarterback run. But at the end of the day, I think that's where most of his fantasy value will likely come from if he's allowed to run because defenses, I think, will be able to key in on Mooney and Komet. As, as good as I think Mooney is and as good as I think Komet is and as good as Fields is as a passer, I think defenses will be able to key in on them and they'll be able to get to him quick enough with the with the offensive line that it may end up causing them a lot of trouble. I think the biggest hit Fields took last year was in the preseason in the pocket because they don't have a very good line, so he might be better off running. It may have been. I could have swore he got he took a pretty big hit, and it may have been actually a sack, not necessarily him. It running. was the he got lit up like the first or second game he ever played in the preseason just got like blown up. His helmet flew off. I no, mean, it was a different. It was during the season. Cause he then missed a game at some point. Huh. And I, I almost yeah, positive it's because of a really big hit he took. I just don't remember when it was. It was one of those and, moments. And I think if I remember correctly, I think I didn't, we kind of feel like that was Matt Nagy going, see, told you he wasn't oh, ready. I'm sure. I mean, Again, I, I not to hey, that worked out perfectly for Matt Nagy. Yeah, right. he got exactly what he wanted out of Chicago. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think he clearly did not see. Well, there's a lot of rumors again from people who, people I know who know people who are close to the Chicago organization that will tell you that Mitch, uh, that Matt Nagy never really wanted Mr. Bisky either. So I, I don't know what was up with Matt Nagy. He had one great season with Mitch Trubisky. Outside of that, it was not great uh, in his coaching. It's clear and, Matt Nagy didn't want to win. Because I don't really understand your franchise drafts you two franchise quarterbacks and you just decide you don't want any of them. You want to pin your entire career hopes on uh, Nick Foles. I mean, Nick Foles, you know, he's he's got a Super Bowl, so I don't I don't know either. He's not. I mean, look, I'm just trying to help the guy out. He's got Fields is coming off the board as QB 17 right now in the uh, sleeper ADP. And dynasty managers are buying in because he's coming off as QB 14. You know, it does, it does make me nervous that, you know, there aren't any real ties to fields. And if they're punting this season, which it looks like the bears are punting, I mean, what's the point of getting the one Oh one, if you're not going to draft a quarterback, you've got but a couple real they don't have, out next year. They don't have to make a huge decision on fields this year because being a first round rookie pick this is going into year two you could let him play next year it would be after next year you have to make a decision i think chicago has not got a great roster but i'm not convinced they get the one-on-one i think they get a top five pick which would be helpful to them because they have any number of places they need to rebuild it's very possible the guy we're going to talk about in a minute, David Montgomery, is gone because I don't really foresee them wanting to re-sign him when, they, when they're when they kind of turning everything over. So there's a lot of things they could do with their draft capital. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the early mock drafts have them taking a wide receiver with their first pick. I think the the latest one was, was uh, from Matt Miller, I think, had them picking at two, and they took JSN. And that so, would actually make sense because this year with no – I don't think they had a first-round pick, right, because they had – dealt a bunch of them away they got stuff back when they when they were drafting him but i think without a first round pick they probably weren't enamored of a lot of the options they had going for them at wide receiver after the big run at the top of the draft speaking of david montgomery dennis he's coming off the board as rb19 and khalil herbert is coming off the board at rb63 
Herbert looked decent at times in 2021, specifically when Montgomery went down with an injury. Do you think that he eats into David Montgomery's workload at all this year? Um, I think he's just by nature of being more athletic. I think him and Ebner both are going to get some opportunities. But what Montgomery provides is stability. He knows where to be, what to do, when to do it. He may not get you 20-yard runs, but he'll get you some five and seven and eight-yard runs. He also gets you a significant number of three-yard runs as well. Um, but he does what he's supposed to. It, 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 I don't know that I'm – I'm probably passing on him at RB19. I think that's – I'm – you know, I pick 60. I'm still probably looking for some upside. Herbert going at pick 171 in redraft leagues. You know, he's simply a draft other people's handcuffs play. But there is talk that people like Treston Ebner and that he's the one you want. And much like uh, just about everybody on this team, um, Herbert doesn't have any ties to the current regime. So they don't have a ton of incentive to play him over Ebner if Ebner plays well. I think Montgomery, you know, he gets 200-ish carries. He gets, you know, 850, maybe 900 yards, somewhere in that range. Um, You know, he'll catch some passes. But I don't think he's going to be a a high-end scorer. I think this offense in general, unless they surprise a lot, uh, isn't going to score a lot of points this year. So there's – fantasy points are going to be difficult to come by. And so it wouldn't surprise me a bit if Montgomery finishes more in the range of running back 25, 27, 28, somewhere in there. I still like Montgomery where he's at. Um, and I'm interested in Herbert, but you you bring up a fair point about him not being having been part of this group. We also – the. The real question is not knowing what kind of a system gets he's going to run, um, what the running back split is going to be. I was also interested in their their bringing in of Darianton Evans, who is has been traditionally talked about as kind of a pass catching back, which is why it seemed like an odd fit in Tennessee, and then he got hurt and missed a year. But are they looking for? You know, if that's part of the mix and they want kind of a traditional third down pass catching specialist, was just something that Tariq Cohen did pretty well for a while in that offense, trading off with different running backs. Does that eat into the available snaps for Khalil Herbert? Montgomery is still the one I feel the best about. I don't feel as good in dynasty or long term simply because I don't know where he's going to be next year. And he's been fun. he's been solid, but we've seen backs that did far better on their rookie contract, even like a Melvin Gordon to end up in a unsure situation going into the off season. It's really unclear where Montgomery ends up and what kind of a role he ends up in. But I think he will return low end RB two value in 2022. I mean, David Montgomery is basically the bologna and cheese sandwich of running backs. It gets the job done but on your lunch break. He's so. also, of the the big three in his draft class, he's arguably had the best NFL career so far. And it's unclear if any of those guys are going to be with their teams next year. Yeah, Montgomery has received the best opportunity 
of the three, that's for sure. And he, he did what he could with it. I do think that Herbert could eat into some of his work, but I still think they want to give Montgomery a majority of the carries, especially if they do end up moving on from him, like Matt mentioned earlier in the show. If, if they move on from him, I don't see why they want to give him as much work as possible because when they do give him the volume, he's shown he can be not only very good for the NFL, but also very good in fantasy as well. And I think Herbert is closer to the Tariq Cohen role than Ebner is. I feel like Ebner is a much better like power runner a guy that I think probably fits closer to what David Montgomery does. So I feel like if if Montgomery were to go down, I think Ebner would be probably the more traditional backup and Herbert still kind of being the change of pace guy and getting some catches. But what hurts him so much is David Montgomery is also a very good receiving back. And so I, I think that's why we don't see Herbert use the way Tariq Cohen was. Because while, while, again, Montgomery's still a really good receiving back, Tariq Cohen was dynamic when the ball got in his hands as a receiver. Khalil Herbert doesn't quite have that in his game. So he's a guy I'm willing to take late in drafts. Uh, I would not take him personally in a redraft league, as big a fan of him as I am. RB52, like he probably outproduces that, but I still think you're mostly betting on or hoping there's an injury to Montgomery for him to outproduce that. Dynasty leagues, I would be willing to take a chance on him just because if Montgomery they move on from Montgomery, as Matt mentioned, with so many things and so many holes that they have to fill on this team, I don't know that they go running back in the draft next year. So maybe they try and do a Herbert Ebner pairing moving forward for a year so they can kind of fill the offensive line, get Justin Fields a wide receiver, do some stuff on the defense. Or maybe they do bring back Montgomery. Regardless, I, I would not be betting on him personally from a redraft perspective. I mean, if you're Montgomery and the Bears say, look, we'd love to have you back, but you're looking at, you know, three years for $20 million, three years for $18 million. Does Montgomery take it to stay? I mean, the, the big question is, and we talked about this on the Monday show, the running back landscape could be changing in a massive way this year with all the running backs that can get out of their con- – the teams that can get out of their contracts and the running backs that are becoming a free agent. Montgomery, for the most part, has been healthy and been very productive. Like, I don't know that another team wouldn't offer him more money. And that's kind of – he's young enough that, like, I could see a team giving him a second contract, maybe not a not, – like – five years like the Browns gave Nick Chubb, although they can get out of it this year. So it really only turned into be like a three-year deal. But I wouldn't be surprised if someone's willing to pay David Montgomery a little bit more. If I'm Montgomery, if I mean, I'm probably moving on. If someone's going to offer me close to the same money and possibly go to a better team, why would you want to stay in Chicago where they're, they're probably not winning for the next now, five years? How much fun would it be if Montgomery goes to Philadelphia, Miles Sanders goes to the Raiders, and Josh Jacobs goes to the Bears? I mean, it'd be funny. I just want to make you laugh. Have you been drinking today? Is today a day off for you? <laughs> Definitely is he's, not. He's, he's, he's prepping for Vegas. That's what he's doing right now. I just appreciate irony. And if all right. three of those guys switch teams to each other's teams and then we see how they do, that would be ironic. So David Montgomery would be screwed because the Eagles refuse to give the ball to one running back. Josh Jacobs will all of a sudden probably be the best in the class. He's already produced. I don't know. Raiders. Miles Sanders and his kind of skill set might be better for a Patriots type offense. Yeah, he just won't get any touchdowns. Well, not that he got any touchdowns last year either. So <laughs> he never gets touchdowns. He, he never he'll be does. Good. He'll be good for the ten games a year he's available to. Poor guy. 
Darnell Mooney's coming off the board as wide receiver 28 and Cole commit off the board at tight end 14. Um, Obviously, we have some hesitations about this offense for redraft, as we all discussed. But, Dennis, how, how would you attack these two from a dynasty perspective? Again, knowing that I believe after this season, Darnell Mooney's contract is up as well. You know, I, I'm good targeting Mooney um, in that range because I do think he has wide receiver two upside, in part because he's the show there. And if he does move on, he, he has, he'll have established sort of what he can do. Now, there are times when players move in the, the new offense. It's like, eh, I don't even know what you do here um, kind of approach. But, uh, you know, Mooney has established himself to be a pretty solid player. Kmet, on the other hand, you know, he, he earned 93 targets last year, caught 60 passes. And what Graham was there... He didn't do a whole lot. Um, I, I I think both players and Komet probably more so suffer from the fact that it's a low volume offense. Um, they're going to be behind, and I think there's going to be times where there's a conscious decision made where they're down two scores, and so they're not playing catch up. They're going to grind the ball out. They'll they'll be okay going three and out because of where they are in their development as a team. So I don't know how much more upside Cole Komet has. Uh, he, he had four touchdowns last year with Jimmy Graham having three on 23 targets. Komet had four on 90 targets. It's I, Komet's the show at tight end now, and he's probably the second best receiver there. Um, but I, ju- I just feel like it's going to be such a low volume. I'm probably not drafting Komet at tight end 14, but if I can get him at 16 or 18 with, you know, tight end 14, tight end 12 upside, I'm okay to buy there. Yeah, I think Dennis hit it for me with Komet. I'm fine with Mooney at his ADP, especially in Dynasty as wide receiver 32. I think he's he's got some potential, but... Tight end 14 feels too high for me for Komet. They went out and got Ryan Griffin and James O'Shaughnessy at tight end too. And while those don't maybe light us on fire, it does always make me a little bit nervous when teams start stockpiling veterans at a position where you have a young guy that you're hoping to see a breakout because it kind of makes you feel like maybe they're not as sold as you were thinking. The over-under for the Bears here, 6.5. Matt, where are you going here with the Bears? I'm going under. My, I'm at 5 and 12. I, I'm going under, and I think Matt has generously graded their one-loss record. I think Fields is good enough to get you two or three wins because of his guile. Uh, I don't think they're quite as bad as you think. And I also personally am starting to feel like the NFL is going to be more tightly packed between four and 10 wins for most teams than we, we were thinking. Yeah. I was going to say Dennis said that, like I I'm taking the under, but I was going to say slide under, I think they can get to six wins. Like this team had, what did they, they finish six wins last year? Six and 11. With and I think arguably a, I mean we don't really know yet, but just with the way Matt Nagy was has been coaching the past couple of seasons, like I don't see there's any way but 
positive momentum right now with this team. So, I, I mean, granted, you're not really gaining any more wins in the in the win column with it being against six wins, but I think they could get to six. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take the slight under at six, uh, which you know, probably doesn't help them much if they want to get a top end player in the draft, but still pretty not bad for a team that doesn't have much. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKingsSportsbook.com. We've got a ton of Major League Baseball games going on right now. Golf, MMA, and more with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props. Everything and anything you need to get money. DraftKingsSportsbook.com is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet and get up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. Download the DraftKingsSportsbookapp.com, and again, use promo code TPPN at DraftKingsSportsbook.com. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That is 1-800-426-2537. In Illinois, Indiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Arizona, 1-800-522-4700. In Colorado and New Hampshire, 888-789-7777. Or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Indiana, 1-877-770-STOP or 7867 in Louisiana, 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK 467-369 in New York or visit opgr.org in Oregon. Call text the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. 21 and up or 18 and up in Wyoming. Physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, and New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. A team's win-loss record that, in my opinion, is very... Oh, uh, fuck. I forgot. The, uh, man, I just cussed. I don't. Even, I can't remember the word that I wanted to use there. Just completely. There we go. We're there. getting a PG-13. Deceiving. Very deceiving. deceiving. I wanted to say de- I was going to say very deceptive. Deceptive. Which probably could have worked, too, and I don't know why I felt like that wasn't the right word. It's very, it was very deceptive or deceiving as the Lions 3-13-1 record and then finished fourth in the NFC North. Their key departures, Kadero Hodge goes to the Falcons. Key additions, they add DJ Chark as a free agent. And in the draft, they bring in Jamison Williams and James Mitchell, the tight end. Dennis, your Lions have loaded up at wide receiver, adding DJ Tarkin free agency, Jamison Williams in the draft, and St. Brown was awesome last year. They also have TJ Hawkinson. What do we expect from Jared Goff in this passing game in 2022? So I feel like Jared Goff is now playing behind a really good offensive line with a good running game. Um, the Lions defense needs a little bit of work, so there's going to be some opportunity for him to make some plays. But I feel Dan Campbell and, and the uh, that offense, they're going to structure it because where Goff struggles is when he has to you know go rogue and make something out of nothing. That's not Goff's game. Goff is a progression. One, two, make a decision. One, two, three, throw the ball. 
Goff has to stay in that routine. He needs a clean pocket. And the offensive Detroit offensive line should be able to provide that pretty well. You know, we mentioned a couple shows ago, Goff was top 10 in completion percentage last year. And while I don't expect him to see, what did he throw? He threw 494 passes last year in 14 games. Uh, The team threw 593. That's a pretty good amount. So if Goff plays 17 games, getting 590, 600 pass attempts, while it's not 712 for Tom Brady, it's a respectable number. And at, at QB 27, I feel like Goff, what did he have? 19 touchdowns and eight interceptions last year. That's that's Goff's game is to play that. Now, I'm on Ross St. Brown. Um, there's a little more competition. I don't think anybody expects Jamison Williams to be ready to start the season. But we've got DJ Chark. We've got Josh Reynolds, who, keeps, who always shows just enough at some point in the season that somebody like me gets a little bit of hope. Quintez Cephas is still there as a possession receiver. They got TJ Hawkinson. Most of all, they've got DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. So I think Goff is going to be good. I think he's he's one of these guys that in a super flex league, if he's your QB two, you're like, I can let it ride for a while and see how it's going to play out this season. Uh, I'm probably going to get QB you know, 20 QB, 18 production out of him. And that might be enough at that position for me to be competitive in a super flex league. Uh, Clearly though, you don't want him being your QB one because you're not that you're still going to get that, you know, QB 18, 20, 22 production out of him. But I like Goff. He's a, he's a polished passer. Uh, He's accurate. And as long as the offensive line can keep him clean, I think he should produce serviceable Superflex quarterback numbers. I like the receiving weapons that the Lions have, but I think their ADPs are right in line with my expectations, so I don't think there's a lot of value there. Um, I do look forward to another solid season from Amon Ross St. Brown. I'll be excited when Jamison Williams, we're not sure if he's going to start out. Going great guns at the beginning. I think the, that was part of the reason of them getting Chark. I wouldn't be surprised if Chark is a little more involved at the beginning and Williams becomes much more involved as we go down the stretch. But they have some good options. Hawkinson's good, and they have a great pass-catching running back in DeAndre Swift. <clears throat> I think they're really underselling Jared Goff. I mean, he's going as QB 27. He was QB 24 last year. We made a lot of jokes in the first half of the season that one of us could play receiver for the Detroit Lions. They, like the Amon Ross St. Brown came on at the end of the season. Josh Reynolds, who was actually really good for them, wasn't even on their roster at the start of the season. So it was Jared Goff making a lot of this happen with smoke and mirrors for the first half. And they were very competitive in some of those games. I think they're going to have a very fun offense again this year. Jared Goff, in the year that he sort of soured uh, the Rams on him, was still QB 18 in uh, 2020. In 2019, he was QB 13. 
I think he finishes in the mid to high teens. I currently have him sitting at QB 17. I love if you're going to give me QB 27 value, I'm going to go pick him up. Like Dennis said, second quarterback in Superflex, or you could grab him like I did in Scott Fishbowl as your third quarterback and feel pretty good about that, having a solid and reliable starter. There's no one behind, like literally no one to challenge him on the depth chart right now. Yeah, and I mean, he may not give you the passing stats or touchdowns at times, but he's also, especially, well, just speaking Scott Fishbowl, as you just mentioned, like his completion percentage is usually fairly good, typically doesn't have a ton of turnovers when things are going right for him. I'm with you guys on golf. I think he easily outproduces that QB 27 because this offense just, again, we talked, I just talked about the beginning. It's deceptive that 313 and one. They were in almost every single game. All it takes is an extra touchdown here or there for Jared Goff, and he bumps up even higher than QB 24. I think he easily finishes within the top 20 range just with this, with the skill set around him. Amon Raw is the interesting one for me. Obviously had a massive back end of the season. I do feel like his ADP is fairly fair. I would be surprised if he falls a little bit. Or no, he's at 25. I'm sorry, he finished at wide receiver 21 last year. I think he falls a little bit from that 21. Probably finishes right around 23 or 24. So you're getting a small value on him. Taking him there. I'm actually really in on DJ Chark. I don't know that Jamison Williams doesn't go on pup to start the year. And I know the NFL changed that, I believe, to the four games now, so they don't have to wait six. But even then, if DJ Chark's out there and he's playing well, I don't think that they just pull him off the field or, or, or go away from him. Jamison Williams will still get out there be on the opposite side, right? You can still run DJ Chark and Jamison Williams as uh, your your Z and your, your X. But if Chark's going well with golf, which I think he could – I think he may be the focal point of this offense the entire season. I mean, his ADP is he's in the 60s. Am I right? Where was where do you wide receiver 60? I it still makes me a little nervous. We've never gotten any update on him because he's coming off a blown ACL, too. I thought he was already practicing and everything. Well, I mean, we'll he, find out. Was it training camps? He, in he tore it at the first week of the season, so it's yeah. I mean, so that, was, that's the thing was like early last year, but. We see all these players, like Robert Tunyon, who tore his in December, right? And they're saying that he may not be back. Jamison Williams tore it in the in January, mid-January. That's what the national championship was. Like, I know everybody's like, oh, well, he's young and he's going to be. They're not going to rush him. There's no reason to. Detroit's not competing for a play. Well, they might end up competing for a playoff spot. But right now, they're not saying, like, we have a chance to win the Super Bowl. They're not going to force him out there, which is, again, why I think DJ Chark is going. Him and Amon Ross. They have a chance. To make the playoffs, I agree. They have Super a very good team. I don't know. I'm not going that far. They have a chance to possibly make the playoffs. I think that Chark and Amon Ra will be the focal point of this offense. So, again, getting a guy like that at wide receiver 60, again, I understand he his future is a little bit cloudy when you're looking at it from a dynasty perspective, which he is going as wide receiver 65. So, even later. But we've seen the talent. He had a great first year there in Jacksonville, and I really do think he could bounce back this year. And you don't know where he may go next year. So I, Chark is one I'm really willing to take a bet on. I think I'm out on Hawkinson. Going as tight end seven, he finishes tight end 15. He's really – correct me if I'm wrong, because I feel like I'm right on this, but I probably am wrong. He's only had one really good season where he finished in the top five at tight end. Is that is that correct? Well, he was tight end 15 last year, but he missed yeah. five games. But he's missed games, I feel like, every single year. Like, he deals with <laughs> so injury. 
He's inconsistent. Well, I never Kittle's, saw him on Kittle Kittle still manages to yeah. get up and finish. I I'm checking. Hold on. I'm trying to yeah. pull up his his I stats like real quick just to see. Hawkinson so is definitely in tier two. He's um, only played one again three years. So take this for what it's worth. But he's only played one full season. Seven games in year one, then year two, yeah. the year that he was a, a top-tier tight end, he played all 16 games and 101 targets, and then last year, again, 12 games. So, I mean, he was yeah, so he was tight end 31, tight end 5, tight end 15. He's also not had the talent around him. Well, he had Kenny Galladay. I'll give him that. Kenny Galladay's very good. But now he's got DJ Char, Jamison Williams, and Amon Ra paired with DeAndre Swift. Like, for me personally, I'm just I'm kind of out on him at this point. I'd rather take again one of those guys behind him because he's going off the board tight end seven. Like, do I think he could finish his tight end seven this year? Yeah, probably. Along with like thirty other tight ends in the NFL. Like for me, I think the cost you have to pay for him is no longer worth it. And and that's just it's it's crazy to say that in my opinion because we were so high on him just a couple years ago. But at this point, like I don't see the upside there that I see with uh a Mark Andrews or a Kyle Pitts, and that's kind of so the area he was in a couple years ago. Let's play a little game, as yeah. Dennis likes to say. Uh, TJ Hawkinson or Dalton Schultz. You know, next time you, I'm gonna get like the saw drop so I can just like let's play a game. Anyways, yeah. uh, Dalton Schultz. Yeah. Dalton Schultz. I would take Schultz too. How about you, Dennis? I think I take Schultz um, probably because I can get him around later. Schultz is actually going one, according to Fantasy Pros, one spot ahead of Hawkinson right now. Yeah, I think he's been rising. Uh, D- Dallas Goddard or or TJ Hawkinson? Oh God, that's just. <laughs> I'll take Hawkinson at that point. I don't want anything to do with Goddard. So that's the one immediately after him. In ADP, Dennis. I'm I'm probably taking Hawkinson. Me too. I, I agree with Matt. That was that was a yeah, sucky one. TJ Hawkinson or Zach Ertz? Ertz. Ertz. Ertz is going tight end nine. Yeah, and twenty picks later. So that's a pretty easy one for me to go. TJ Hawkinson or Cole Komet? Doc, oh, God, what's up with this? Like the just trash cans you're throwing at me. I'm gonna have to go Hawkinson there too. I can't. Your boy Pat Fryermuth is currently going oh, as tight end thirteen. Easily, we that's not even a question. So his his ADP and position among tight ends isn't really that bad. The ones that are going above him right now are Schultz, Waller, Kittle, Pitts, Andrews, Kelsey, and right behind him is Goddard. Ertz was about the only one, and and for, you and I are higher on Firemouth and some other people, including our friend Austin. But Ertz is probably the only one that the three of us were like, that seems like a better value. Well, I, I say that with Hawkinson though too. Is like I'm I'm hoping I just yeah. So this is like Dawson Knox. Also, I'd t- I'd rather have Dawson Knox. I'm not taking Mike to say I'd rather take a shot on Irv Smith because we just talked about him on the Monday show. Like if he hits. I would not be surprised if he hits close to what Hawkinson did. Again, I'm not even just talking about the ADP value you're getting from him. I think people are taking Hawkinson so high because he is still valued as this, like, quote-unquote elite asset at tight end, and I just don't know that he's there. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm hitting him too much for two years. He's only been in the league for three, right? Mm -hmm. And in between those two, we won't say bad, but mediocre years, 
He had a, an elite season. He finished the top five at the position. But he also had 101 targets with an injured Kenny Galladay. Like, I just... This offense has changed, and this team has completely changed. I don't think he's the focal point of this offense the way he was that year, and having the assets around him. Again, even if Chark moves on, Jamison Williams and Amon Ra are going to be there for the next couple of years. DeAndre Swift's not going anywhere. Even if they bring in another quarterback next year, if they bring in a Stroud or a Bryce Young, if they finish that low, I still think Hawkinson's going to be third in the pecking order. He's no longer that top one or two in this offense, in my opinion. So that's why I'm personally fading him. Like, I just don't see the elite upside with him anymore. So if I'm probably not picking him there, I'm going to go at that, at that point, I've made the decision. I'm not taking the top tier tight end. And so I'm going to fade and I'm probably fading all the way to like Robert Tunyon at pick 154, tight end 20 or David Njoku pick 157, uh, Hayden Hurst pick 173. Hell, maybe even Austin Hooper pick 174. We already know get, Matt's taking Hayden Hurst because he's he's declared 1, it. thousand percent. Or if I get really squirrely and go real late, I'm taking Cameron Braid at 193 or Brevin Jordan at 199 and uh, just kind of. Are you still to trying to have together. a starting tight end, or are you just you know? Well, no, those those guys will be starting tight ends for their teams. All it for, takes for in the NFL, unless you're in a 32 team league. You know. Enough. I don't want to keep crapping on TJ Hawkins in here. The Lions are Lions fans are no longer going to listen to us. So DeAndre is going to come beat you up. Hey, look, I mean Kittle. At least he scored. What did Kittle finish as last year? I think he was. Uh, Oh, look. I would bet he finished higher and he probably missed more games. Well, that's a safe assumption. I don't know how to pull that up from my... I'm doing it right now. We will stall for time. Uh, Kittle was in PPR, tight end four <laughs> in 14 out, games. In four, so he played two more games and he outscored him by 11. Uh, let's see, he 11, had 198 PPR points, and Hawkinson had 145.3. Yeah. 12.1 I mean, per game, Kittle 14.1 per game. Say what you want about the dude. He is often injured, but dude produces when he's on the field. And Hawkinson, and again, I think that also goes to my other point. Like, it's not necessarily a knock on Hawkinson. He is a great player. It's more the <laughs> offense. Like, when, when Kittle's so, on the field, the 49ers will funnel the ball through him and Debo, right? I don't I think that I am going to say Hawkinson was tight end 15 overall, but his 12.1 points was tight end 6 on a points-per-game basis, same as Darren Wall. We don't, want, we don't want to talk about points per game. That doesn't matter. It matters what happens at the end of the season. It matters when you put them in your lineup. I mean, that may be true. Dennis, DeAndre Swift... Is he a top 10 back this year? And what do you expect out of Jamal Williams behind him? I think, you know, he, he should, he's got the talent. He, he's got to show he can stay healthy though. Um, DeAndre Swift is electric. He was one of the best backs coming out that year. And, you know, I, you know he should have been the guy that went to, uh, Kansas City, not Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Um, you know, he, he had, what, 78 targets last year? I was surprised for as much as it seemed like Swift was injured last year, he did play in 13 games, but probably even more surprising to me was that he only started four. So 
they like Jamal Williams, and Jamal Williams is going to get some run. Uh, last year, they what was it? I think uh, Williams had 153 carries. Swift had 151. I do think that that's kind of gets a little more out of balance. Wouldn't surprise me to see 200 for Swift, uh, 150 still for uh, Jamal Williams if they both stay healthy. But Swift is a dynamic. He's an Alvin Kamara type back, and uh, Campbell has talked about wanting to use him like that, and it showed last year with 78 uh, targets. So Swift is going to get some run. In PPR leagues, I think he could easily be a top 12, top 10, maybe top 7 back. I know he's going really high in dynasties. Uh, Dynasty, they're drafting him as RB5. And uh, he's going as RB8 in redraft leagues. You know, I think that that's, there isn't a lot of room for value in those draft slots. Uh, but I do think it's well within the range of outcomes for Smith to be able to deliver an RB8 season uh, uh, in 2022. I do like Swift. I think he, he does need to stay on the field more. 13 games last year, played 13 games as a rookie. He seems kind of, you know, stuck in that range. It would be nice to see him play more. I think the path for him to get to top 10 running back, which I think he can do, is got to be increasing his rushing share, something we saw from Alvin Kamara who is a very gifted receiver who seems to have picked up a little bit more rushing chair and getting touchdowns. That would help some too, because my one concern would be 78 targets is nice. And if he can maintain that, that's great. They have better passing weapons. Um, I know, especially early in the season, DeAndre Swift and Hawkinson were kind of the focal, focal points of the offense as they moved out. Some other people got targets. They have, as you mentioned, DJ Chark's in there now. Almond Ross St. Brown is a known quantity who's picking up into another year. some point in time, they have Jamison Williams out there. Do they need to dump off as much as they were before? Are they going to design as many passing plays for DeAndre Swift? I don't think his passing numbers will have an opportunity to grow because of the growth in other places. So it's got to be that rushing. It's necessary. If he can get to 200 carries, he can get up over 800, 850 yards and can get a few more rushing touchdowns. I think he can get there into the top 10. Yeah, it's it's really all going to be about the rushing. We know how great of a receiving back that he is and, and how well he's been used in that game. Even just as a rookie, he was kind of there. That explosive game he had there where I mean, he unfortunately dropped the, the touchdown in the end zone that really would, I think, sealed it and, and probably given him that starting job a lot sooner. We know that he's going to be used that way. It's just can they continue to get him more rushing and, again, touchdowns, as Matt mentioned. I mean, that's kind of been the big bugaboo for Miles Sanders here recently and why his his fantasy value has dipped so badly. Can Swift boost up those? And let's just mention he needs to stay healthy for at least a full season, if not most of it as well. The injuries and then costing him to miss a little bit of time here and there add up, and it kind of hurts his possible fantasy outlook. Dennis, the Lions did only win three games last year, but they were tough every single game, a tough out every single game. How do we feel about the 6.5 over under in 2022? I, I think that's a really, really good number. Um, I do expect some growth out of them. And, you know, they added 
to their defense. You know, they added Aiden Hutchinson, and uh, uh, so I do think there's going to be some improvement. I'm I'm going to give them seven wins. I'm going to take the over. I'm definitely over. I think they're an eight or a nine win team. I was trying to pull up their schedule really quick so I can figure out what I want to do with them because I honestly don't know. I want to take the over, but I feel like maybe I'm being too optimistic. I think there's a chance that the Lions are kind of in that playoff conversation going into December. They have a pretty decent schedule with some of their matchups, and the NFC is not incredibly uh, daunting as it has been in years past. So I've got them easily to seven wins, so I'm going to take the over. There's at least seven games on there I think they could easily win. And there's a couple that are questionable. You know, can they beat the Bears? Do they split with the Bears? Can they can they beat the Vikings once here or there? So I, I there's definitely, I think, at least seven wins on that schedule. I mean, they play the Jets and Jaguars, for goodness sakes. They're, they'll be fine. They're going to win themselves some games this year. So I'm going to take the over as well. That will do it for us today. We will be back on Monday and live back on YouTube discussing the Titans and the Colts. The Titans and the Colts. You told me this the other day and I forgot all about it. The Titans and the Colts. So everybody have yourselves a great weekend and we'll talk to you guys again. Hey, now that the show's over, rate and review. We'd really appreciate it. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your pop on there. Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play? I can!